is the stuff we have to face every moment of our day. We can't even use the bathroom by ourselves. That's dedication right there. Oh my goodness, that guy's name was Charlie and he like fell to the floor and started kicking his feet. I'm like, my daughter Charlie does that too. I was like, this is totally like so true. We just had that uh, moment in Walmart and you tell her, no, you can't have that because it's $25 and I'm not gonna pay $25 every time we go to Walmart and she goes, it oh, just like smelt to the ground. We're working on it. We are working on it. So that is awesome parenting right there. So I'm so excited about Mother's Day because I get the honor and privilege to be able to speak to you at something that God has put on my heart. And if this is your first time, we just want to say welcome. Let's give it up for our first time guests in this place. We understand that with it being your first time, it's sometimes scary to come to a place you've never been before. So thank you for taking that step of faith to come out. And so if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Lizzie Jensen. I get the awesome privilege of pastoring alongside of my husband, Pastor Sean. And I know it's Mother's Day, babe, but I mean, you're pretty awesome yourself. So I love you. You rock. Um, that, did you see that little clap I did? I was like, what's up? Uh, and so we are here at Authentic, we've been in a series of talks called WTF. It's called Why Trust Feelings. The first week we talked about how someone, sometimes we trade God's best for following a feeling. And then the next week we talked about searching for a feeling, how so many times we can just keep searching for the feeling, for a feeling of just being fulfilled in all the wrong places when we realize that Jesus is the only one that can be our true fulfillment. And so this week we're going to continue in this series of talks, and I'm excited about it. We're going to be in the book of Galatians this week. And the guy who wrote Galatians, we talk about him a lot, a lot, because his name is Paul. And we say this all the time that if there's hope for Paul, there's hope for y'all. <laughs> yeah, some of you got that. You're like, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Because we talk about him a lot. And the reason why is because he wrote a third of the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible that we read. We, we learned, um, Sean talked about this the last week, the other weeks before, that Paul, his name used to be Saul because he used to go around killing Christians. Isn't that crazy? That God used the murderer to actually write the Bible. I'm so thankful that he doesn't use people that are perfect because who's perfect in here? That's what I thought. If you rose your hand, put it down. Hey, if we're all perfect, that means we can't be used by God. I love that because when we're not perfect, that actually shows God's power the greatest. And so God really showed up through Paul's life. He had an encounter with God. He changed his name to Paul, and he started going around preaching the good news of God. And who wants to know more about this Paul? Because this Paul, he was so just, and he just had the presence of God all over his life that he would be working. He used to be a tent maker as well. And they would take the aprons that he worked with and and the handkerchiefs that he had and he used, they would actually take it and they would lay it on the sick and they would recover. Literally the things that touched him would go and touch the sick and they would be healed. Like, I want to learn more from this guy. Who wants to learn more from this type of guy? Like, this is the guy we're going to be uh, reading about. He's talking to the church of Galatia and he's talking to them in Galatians 6, 4 through 9. This is going to be our just main scripture this week and it is says this in verse 4 pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else I think someone just had freedom right there for we are each responsible for our own conduct those who are taught the word of God should provide their teachers sharing all good things with them don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of God you will always harvest what you plant those who live only to satisfy 
satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for your message. We thank you for the words that you put in me. Lord, let them come out the same way that you put them in. Lord, I thank you, God, because your words change hearts. Your words change lives, God. And I'm so thankful for what you're going to do today. My confidence is in you, and uh, my acceptance is in you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are going to do a great work today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to someone next to you. Tell them the title of this message. It says, The Garden. The Garden. <laughs> there's, there's one up here like, The Garden. The Garden. <laughs> Hey, that's cool. I like people talking like they're from the South. Makes me feel like I'm at home. Speaking of the South, um, I have amazing moms. Um, I say moms because I have an amazing mother-in-law uh, that's here in the state of Illinois. She's pretty amazing. And I have two mamas back home, my blood mama. Uh, she's amazing. That sounds really weird, blood mama. Mother by blood. That sounds better. Um, she's pretty awesome. I talked about her the last time I preached. She's just, she's Mm, I just love her so much. She's just so sweet. And she will, like, she literally sacrifice everything uh, just to just for me, and I'm just so grateful for that. Um, and then I have Ma, which is my stepmama, but I don't say step. She's just my Ma. She's Ma-tastic is what we say. <laughs> that was good, right? And I love her so much. And when my dad married her, she knows this, so I'm not going to hide it. I did not like her. Uh, and the reason why is because she saw through everything I did. And she's like, no, you're not going to do that. No, you're not going to lie. And I'm like, hmm, if I don't get my way, I don't like you. That's how I was when I was a kid. Not now. I've changed. Praise God. But she could see right through me. And so that's why. And But the thing about Ma is this, is that I love her so much that she has made such a huge impact on my life that me and my brother's personality are the exact same. So we love her so much that we went off and married people identical to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she knows we love her, so much so that when I walk in the house, so maybe six months to a year, I haven't seen them, I go to North Carolina, walk in, and she's like, oh, honey, and I'm like, oh, I love you, Ma, you know, the big, big hugs, I love it. But then when Sean walks in, tears start flowing. <laughs> oh, son, I just missed you so much. And I'm standing there like, what? Really? We go way back. We go way back. And you have, I was just like, I am more important, okay? And she just loves them so much. And I, I love her. And so she taught me so many things. And one of the things she taught me when I was younger is gardening. Who in here likes gardening? Oh, that's good. For all the rest of you, I feel you. I don't like it either. If you go by our house, we have two shrubs in the front that don't need any help because I would kill everything that I put in my garden. I'm really working on it. So if you get us a plant, be forewarned, it will probably die. And she taught me about... She taught me about this gardening thing, and every Saturday, um, we would go out, and we would pull the weeds. We had this huge garden in the back, and then we had this huge garden in the front, and there's just one garden that I remember in particular because it seemed like um, weeds grew there, like, overnight, and they grew, like, 10 feet deep, <laughs> and so we would have to go out there, and we had to start pulling the weeds, pulling the weeds, and then in our yard, we had these two uh, mimosa trees. This in the south. I don't know if everyone's seen a mimosa tree, but they they have really pretty leaves, and um, when the thing about these trees is they have all these tiny seedlings on it. So when the wind blows, it just produces all these seeds into your garden, maybe into the neighbor's yard. 
we won't say, we won't talk about that. And then maybe um, even in our own yard. And so over a course of time, you start seeing these little like mimosa trees popping up in places that you didn't want it to pop up. And so the thing is, is if you didn't catch it at the right time, you have to really work to get it out. And these roots would go deep down and then they would spread out. And so then it would start affecting all the other bushes and all the other flowers in the garden. It would start choking out the life and the potential that they were supposed to be because of all these weeds started overgrowing and affecting their potential. And I believe that God sees our life just like a garden, that we sit there and we have so many things growing in our life. And then we see that, why are we feeling so stunted? Why do we feel like we have no hope? Why do we feel like our potential is gone? Because we start seeing and feeling all of these weeds start growing up in our garden. And God is telling us in this scripture that it's time for us to take a look at our garden and for us to start seeing that what we're harvesting is the same thing that we're sowing. And so if we go back to the, the basis of this scripture, we realize that our first First thing that we have to do when tending to our garden is first know that it's our responsibility. Verse 4 says this of Galatians 6, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we each are responsible for our own conduct. And so we're sitting here if my mom would drive up in, in, the, in the driveway and we see the garden and she sees all these weeds, she's not going to go up to the neighbor's house and be like, yo, why is there weeds all up in my garden? But so many of us do that. We go to other people and blame them for what's in our own garden. And some of us even blame God for what's in our own garden. And he said, I've given you everything. When you decided to follow Jesus, I've given you everything to live this godly life. But yet some of us still stay stuck. The very thing Jesus died for, which is freedom, is the very thing that we don't have. So what is going on? Why are we not free? Why do we have all these weeds? Why do we have all these mimosa trees popping up out of our garden when we don't want them to be there? Why do we, are we stuck in this cycle of harvesting things that we don't want to be planted in our garden? And you know, it says that it's our responsibility. Responsibility means we're held accountable. And it says of your own conduct, which means it's our own action of taking care of something. So we are responsible of our actions of taking care of our own lives, our own garden. In Philippians, it says to work out your own salvation. We don't work. This is not a message of legalism that you have to do this and you have to do that to be saved. But this is a message saying, hey, we don't work for salvation, but we work because we have been saved. And so that is the goodness of our God, that he loves us right to where we are, but he loves us too much to keep us where we are. And so that's the goodness of our God, but we have to take responsibility and we have to stop blaming everybody else. And the thing is, it says, work out your own salvation. Verse four, it says, I love this. It says, pay careful attention to whose work? Your own work. Then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anybody else. We go around taking responsibility for everybody else's garden. She should do that and she should say this and he should do that. Oh, he shouldn't be doing that. Did you hear where he was at Friday night? We try to tend everybody else's garden where our garden's got mimosa trees going out the yin-yang. I mean, come on, somebody. We start to compare our gardens to everybody else, and then we get defeated. God's saying, no, pay attention to your own work. Pay attention to your own garden, because everybody is different paces in life. You stay on the pace that you are supposed to be on in life. Tend to your own garden. It's our responsibility. The second thing about our garden is this, is that we have to learn to evaluate. Evaluate. I love Romans 12, 3. It says this. I love this. Uh, this is Paul again. 
Paul's great. He says, don't think you are better than you really are. I love Paul. Thanks, Paul. Uh, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Sometimes that hurts. <laughs> it's like, hey, don't think you're better than you really are. I'm like, <laughs> yes, sir. I, I will try. Because this is the thing is that we have to be honest what's growing in our gardens. So many of us, we neglect the things that we're really facing. You know, in life, uh, and actually in life, we, we start to neglect and say, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Like, you start dealing with fear, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, maybe we're dealing uh, with pride, I'm good, I don't deal with pride, I'm so humble, you know what I mean? And we call that humble pride. You think you're humble, but you're really prideful, son. And so you see all these things popping up in your life or maybe you're dealing with really bad heartache or maybe you're dealing with depression maybe you're dealing with these things but we start to neglect it but in Ephesians 6 it says that we should be able to resist the enemy to put on all the armor our God so that we can resist the enemy resisting the enemy is the opposite of neglecting because in order to resist we have to acknowledge what we're resisting and fight back but what happens is when we neglect those mimosa trees start getting planted the roots grow deeper, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, stuff comes popping out of you, and you're like, where did that come from? We have to learn to evaluate, not neglect, to be honest with ourselves, what we're really dealing with, because when we try to shove it all down, it comes exploding out later. We need to learn to evaluate, to be honest. So many of us in life, we're so scared to let people know what we're really going through because it's like, oh, I'm at church. They're going to judge me because I deal with this. A Christian shouldn't feel like this or a Christian shouldn't have these thoughts. A Christian shouldn't be facing these type of trials, but yet I am, so I must not be good enough. So I'm going to just hide away and I'm going to try to deal with this myself. And therefore, you go through life all alone and you just keep getting more and more defeated because you're trying to pull out the weeds all by yourself. You're trying to do all this, and you're like, I'm just getting tired. I'm just done. I'm just done. It's time to start evaluating, and not just evaluating, but being able to be honest with people around you. That church is not just a time for us to come in and just leave, but it's a time to come in and have community. That's why we just, we really encourage authentic groups is because we don't want you to do life by yourself. We want you to be connected. There's so many people that have gone through really hard season in their life and they were able to do it with family around them. There's people in here that don't have family, but your authentic group can be your family. That is why we encourage church. That's why we encourage the gathering of community because there's freedom in community when we open up and we share about the things that we're facing in life. There's freedom in that. But first, what do we have to do? We have to be honest and evaluate the things that are popping up in our garden. You know, I, I talked with someone this week, and uh, they had stated, they're like, I think I might be getting depressed. Why? Because they realized a seed that, and a feeling that they started to acknowledge, and they started to say, okay, I'm dealing with this feeling. But what happens is when we neglect it, it takes root, and it takes a longer time to uproot it. But when she came to me, the very first time she started feeling this, we started praying. And now she has more people praying than just her. She has people surrounding her, encouraging her, being like, okay, it's time for you to get out of the house. Okay, I'm going to come pick you up. That's the goodness of being open and honest with really what's going on because you don't want things to take root. And so some of you, um, if we look here, I love this in verse 7 of Galatians 6, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the just of God, for you will always harvest what you plant. So we, whatever we harvest is a direct result of what we plant. And so 
you might be taking the valuation of yourself maybe looks like this, okay? Um, if, if I, you, I've noticed in my life sometimes that I'm always having these feelings of always thinking about money and I'm like, okay, we have this much and we can't, we have this much allotted for giving to other people and if anybody else needs a need, I'm like, I'm cut off, I'm done, you know? <laughs> or I just think about money and, or some people in here, we might look at our bank statements every day. Okay, I have this much going in, I have this much, and you're so focused on money that therefore we reap a harvest of greed. Think about that. Maybe some of us are always planting seeds and feelings of the what ifs. What if I pass away? Um, I know someone in here, my husband, I love you, but one time he had this, this scare, he was so fearful of the what ifs, of dying, or, or what if of this, or what if of that, that he could not even talk about life insurance. And I worked at an insurance agency, and I'm like, we're getting life insurance, get over it. But I love you. I was a lot nicer. I'm just, you know, trying to paraphrase here. And some of us, we go through the seeds and the feelings of the what ifs. What if I, what if I die? What if, what if something happens to my kids? What if, what if I get sick? What if this? What if that? And so therefore, we then produce a harvest of fear and anxiety and worry. Is that something that you're getting a harvest from in your life? Maybe, maybe you've noticed that everything you do, it's all about what benefits you. What is the convenience for you? You don't do anything out of convenience. My dad told me that when I was growing up. He's like, Lizzie, you have a problem that you only do things for people when you do it when it's convenient for you. And he spoke to me to that. And he said, if you don't, you're going to reap a harvest of self-centeredness and selfishness. Thank you, dad, if you're watching. Because when we start realizing what we're harvesting, then we're going to start realizing what we need to start uprooting in our lives. Some of you are so focused on the thoughts and the seeds and the feelings of if this didn't happen to me in my past, if this person didn't do this to me, then I wouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with. Your past wounds become today's wounds and then tomorrow's wounds. So then we reap a harvest of the victim mentality that every time you're in a situation, you're always the victim and you're always seeing through that lens. What are you harvesting today? And some of us are, you might be saying like, okay, well, I'm harvesting these things, but I don't even mean to plant them. How do they even get planted? I don't understand. I don't want to reap this harvest of all these negative things in my life. And this is how it works. Ephesians 6, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God, like I just mentioned earlier. And then it says to put up the shield of faith to deflect all the fiery darts or arrows of the enemy. So in this context, think of it like this. He's shooting those arrows, but now let's think. He's shooting those seeds. He's throwing those seeds in your garden, throwing those feelings, throwing some thoughts, throwing some uh, just different lies right up in your garden, okay? And so what happens is when we see what he's throwing and we accept it as truth and we believe it, that's when we plant it. For example, uh, Sean talked about last week how I hurt myself, uh, cracked my rib, bruised my spleen. It was a great day. Um, <laughs> It was at the trampoline park. I'm really embarrassed. That's like the most embarrassing thing of the story is that um, I was jumping and I fell and then I was like, um, so anyways, um, it was wonderful. And so I was doing great the first week. I was doing a lot better. And then I, I almost, it was like six days after the accident, I woke up and I was like, what the world is happening? <laughs> Why trust feelings? This is horrible. Um, and so it came and I did Easter. Sean talked about that. And then I was so in so much pain. I just, I, I, I just remember like, I, if I'm in pain, like I pretty much don't cry unless it's like horrible. And I was like bawling like a little baby. It was so embarrassing. Now that I think back on it, I'm really strong, guys. I promise. And I remember not even being able to like, I was sitting up in bed and I couldn't even scoot 
down to like lay down and Sean had to come and like pick me up and I'm just like in tears because I'm like you have to take care of me and now you're having to take care of the girls and then I just started going down this path of all these seeds that were being planted in my garden it was just like oh you're worthless you're really not a good mom you're just laying up here doing nothing while your husband's down there cooking and cleaning and having to wipe booties and all these other things and you've I got a break. That was the good part. But you, I was just thinking of all these things. And then by the end of the week, it was like four days I was in my bed. And I was reading a lot of books. I didn't even watch Netflix until like the fourth day. And I was like, all right, I read a lot of books. I'm about to, I'm about to watch Netflix. And then I started vegging out on Netflix. I was like, ooh, season two. Next. 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 Oh, gosh. I'm doing next. Oh, did I hit that again? Oh, I'm already 10 minutes in. It's fine. And, I, and you just keep going. And then I was like, who am I? I am worthless. I just sit up here and I'm doing nothing with my life. Who wants me to be their pastor? I'm not even good enough. I'm not qualified enough. And I just started going through all of these things and I was really fighting. And this is the thing that the enemy always does to me right before I preach because if he can get you questioning your calling, he'll get you out of your calling. And he, oh, come on, that was good. I'm preaching now. Because when he starts getting you to question those things and you see that seed, he's throw, he was throwing that seed real hard, like right at my forehead. And I like grasped it and I acknowledged what he was saying, you know, these lies. But the thing is this, is when we have those feelings, it feels like the truth. And so when we see those feelings and those seeds are being planted and thrown into our garden, if we see it and we acknowledge it, but then we accept it as truth, I just planted it into my garden and it's going to flourish with a harvest of insecurity, of low low self-esteem, low confidence. That when I walk into a place, I'm not even comfortable in my own skin because I'm always worried about what other people are thinking because I don't feel approved by myself. How in the world am I going to be approved by my father, my God? We harvest what we plant. And so what I had to do is I had to evaluate what was being thrown into my garden and I had to see it for what it was and say, God, I believe that I am your daughter, that I am loved, that I am accepted, that even when I don't believe in myself, you believe in me. Even when I feel unqualified, it says you qualified me. You have equipped me with every good work for this life of godliness. That I am the head. I am not the tail. I am above only. I am not beneath. Everything I put my hand to prospers. And I find favor in your eyes because I am your child. I am accepted. And it says in Romans 12 that the God of peace will crush Satan under my feet. So Satan it needs to go back where he belongs come on so we evaluate because we realize it's our responsibility to tend and to manage our own garden which is our life and we realize that we have to evaluate what's growing in our garden and the next thing we have to do is we have to get to work we have to start uprooting it's time to uproot it's time to uproot what's coming up in our garden and it says um it says this in verse 8 Those who live to only satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, the thing about when my mom used to teach me how to garden, when I would get out there, I'd be like, mmm, this looks like a weed. Um, And then I started just pulling stuff. Have you ever pulled something and you got in trouble because you pulled out a stinking flower? I was like, oh, my bad. And she'd be like, no, that was 
this. I don't even know, like tulip. I don't know. And she had to teach me what was a weed and what was a flower. And that's exactly what God is doing here. He's teaching us what we should be pulling out and what are the things that we need to be planting in our garden. It says that those who, who live by the satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will have everlasting life. So we realize here that there's two things. There's weeds and then there's the Spirit of life. The weed is our sinful nature, our own sinful desires, the things that the enemy tries to throw at us because this is the easiest way I can put it is if it's not of God's nature then it's of the sinful nature even though you might be dealing with fear is fear of God's nature no so we have to learn okay we got to start working on this root we got to start working we got to start digging or maybe let's see is is um it's like low integrity part of God's nature no. So we are, okay, I got to start working really hard on my character. I got to start working out really hard on my integrity because my talent will get me somewhere, but my character was what keeps me there. And maybe you're thinking about, you're harvesting, um, let's see, anxiety. Maybe you're harvesting stress. Is that of God's nature? No. So we have to start working on uprooting the things that are opposite of God's nature. It's so hard, right? It's hard to do that. It's hard to recognize sometimes the difference because we just become mundane in the cycle of fear, in the cycle of depression, in the cycle of anxiety, in the cycle of greed. That's just who I am. This is what I do. But God hasn't called us to do this. I want you to look at what he says to us in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says, by his divine power, which is the Holy Spirit, God has given us everything we need for living this godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, which means you've decided to follow Jesus. That's what it means. You have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The thing is this, back in Genesis 1, where God created the heavens, the earth, the day and the night, the animals, the sea, the land, all of these things. The greatest creation that he made was human beings. He created Adam and Eve, and it says, in his own likeness, which is his own nature. They were planted in the Garden of Eden, which means perfection. In Romans 5, it says that sin entered the world by one man's sin, which is Adam. We, we, some of us know about the story about how he, the devil came in, planted seeds. Hey, this tree that God said for you not to eat of, you should go ahead and eat it because it's really not going to cause you to die. It's just going to cause you to know the difference between good and evil. So what did they do? They saw the seed. They accepted it as truth. And then as they ate the fruit, sin entered into the world. So now we have this sinful world that we live in every single day. So even when it says that when we decide to follow Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come, you're like, okay, I'm new, but why am I still fighting against this old me? Why am I still fighting against these old feelings? Why am I still fighting against all these simple desires that I might have? Why am I still fighting against the old self of fear? Why am I still fighting against the old self of anxiety? Why am I fighting all of these things? 
says this. I love this. Love this so much. Paul, he says this himself. He's like, I am at constant war within my mind. Who is going to save me? It says in Romans 7, 24, it says, who will rescue me from this life dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus. Romans 8, yeah, come on. Romans 8, right after that, it says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So now we are equipped to look like God and share in his divine nature, that we don't have to continue to walk in this fear. We don't have to continue to walk in this anxiety. And if we deal with those things, that's okay. There's a process. Because you, how many of you know that when you're uprooting something, it's actually the hardest job of all. And so it's going to take time. It's going to take some sweat. It takes the most energy when you're trying to pull up those weeds. I remember that we let this mimosa tree grow a little too big that was in our garden, and it started to sprout up right by our azalea bushes. And my dad, he couldn't get, like, you know, the little gardening shovel. He had to get, like, the big shovel. And he was like, you know, he had to jump on it, and he had to shovel that thing out. But the hardest thing about that stinking weed is that he couldn't just shovel down, but he had to shovel that way and then that way and then down and then that way and it was just the weed that tree has started to take root so deep and so wide that he had to actually dig up some of the bushes to really get rid of it he had to dig up things that was hard it was painful and you know you've bought a lot of things in your life or you've worked so hard on things in your life but things that are growing up in your garden are start starting to just like quench out your strength like just clench you out from your potential. It's the hardest part. It's to fighting against anxiety. It's the hardest part. It's to uproot. It's the hardest part, but it's the most worth it. It's the most valuable thing because when we start uprooting all the weeds, that's when we grow into the person and the potential that we're really called to be. So we realize that it's our responsibility. We realize that we have to evaluate what's growing up in our garden, and it's our responsibility to get to work. It's our responsibility to uproot. And our next thing is this, is that we can't give up. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Giving, giving up is easy. Why? Because uprooting is the hardest part. It takes the most energy, the most time, the most sweat. I remember in the South, it's so humid there, you could walk outside, take a, like you could take a shower, get all clean, and you walk outside and you feel like you took a shower again because it's so humid outside. It was the hottest part to try to dig up all of those roots. It was the most tiring part. Whatever you're facing within your life, whatever roots that you're trying to uproot, I think our biggest dilemma, our biggest thing that tries to hold us back is the lie of, you should just give up. You're better off not here in this life anyways. People will be fine, fine and even better without you. The lies of the seeds that are trying to be thrown into your garden, that you're not valuable enough, that you're not worth it, that you're not pretty enough. Because we start comparing our gardens to other people's gardens. There's so many people that let the pressures of life, the pressures of their day-to-day, -day, the pressures of their past, Start to steal the joy that God has intended us to live today. So our, our, our deep rut that we get stuck in because we just feel like I'm just going to give up because it's easier to, dig, to stay here than to dig myself out. 
And we stay stuck in our past. We stay stuck in our fear. We stay stuck in our, our, our bad character. We stay stuck in all of these things because it's just easier. We've become to accept these roots. We've become to accept these mimosa trees as just part of my garden. They're just part of the scenery. If you don't like it, that's who I am. You can hit the road. How many of you are dealing with stuff today that you're just like, that's just me. I've just dealt with it for so long. I've tried once before, a couple times, maybe a hundred times to try to fix it, but I just keep coming back to the same place. So it's just easier for me to just sit here in my pit than to try to climb out. It's just too hard. I believe that's where a lot of you are today. I can say that about myself in other areas of my life. Sometimes it's just easier because it takes too much work. I'd rather neglect it, push it to the side, than not have to deal with it today. But then we realize that our mimosa tree goes really big, really tall, really deep roots, and it's gonna take a lot longer to handle it. I don't want you to get stuck. The thing is this is so many times we just give up. We don't wanna fight because the only reason how we can uproot is through the promises of God's word. It's through, literally it says that the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, is the only thing that can cut down those stinking roots, those stinking trees that are growing up in our gardens. And the word of God is the promises of God. So when you feel down, when you feel fearful, you replace it with God's word saying, I don't have the spirit of fear, but I, you have given me, Lord, a love, power, and a sound mind. I have a peaceful mind, which means in Proverbs it says our peaceful mind brings health to my body. I have health in my body because I have a peaceful mind, because I trust in you, that even when the waves come crashing and the water comes rising, you fight for me, that you're with me. Even when I'm in the fire, you're right beside me. Even when I feel like I've got nothing left, you're there to give me strength because your power works perfect in my weakness. Your grace is good. You're everything I need. Even when I feel broken, even when I feel alone, it says that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Even when I feel like I've got nothing Nothing else left it says take grip with your tired and weary hands because listen if we don't give up it says we will reap our harvest a blessing this is a kingdom principle which means this is how the kingdom works whatever you plant you're going to harvest plant seeds of prayer even if you've been praying for years plant seeds of God's Word you're going to reap a harvest a blessing if you don't give up don't give up don't give up there's people in here who have lost their strength to fight. But I want to read this to you. Proverbs 14.1. Every wise woman encourages and builds up her family. But a foolish woman over time will tear it down by her own actions. Women, moms, even dads, you can put yourself in this too because it still applies. Have you ever heard, I know in the South we say, if mama ain't happy, no one's happy. <laughs> because whatever the mom is dealing with, it starts to affect her entire household. We are like the fountain in our home. Whatever's flowing out of us gets onto our kids, gets all over into our home. I want to ask you, what are you building in your home? Are you building a life of peace? Are you building a life of joy? Because the thing is this, I don't want my kids to deal with insecurity. I don't want my kids to deal with anger. I don't want my kids to deal with 
with fear. I don't want my kids to deal with the things that I'm dealing with because if you don't fight for you, fight for your kids. Fight to the fact that they won't have to deal with this when they're older. Fight for the fact that they will be free because you are working towards your freedom. Don't give up. Take a grip with your tired hands. Keep crawling out of that pit. Don't give up. Keep taking that shovel, digging out that root because it's going to be worth it. The buck stops here. It's not going to go past me. My children are not going to be like those who say, I only deal with this because my mom dealt with this. No, it's stopping with me. My kids are not going to deal with anxiety. My kids are not going to deal with insecurity. My kids are not going to deal with low confidence. My kids are going to walk in acceptance. My kids are going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. My kids are going to look like Jesus and they're going to walk in God's divine nature. My kids are going to be the miracles that walk through school and say, not today, devil, that this school is God's school. I might have my kids that are going to walk through and they're going to be bold. They're going to be passionate. They're going to be loving. They're going to look like Jesus everywhere they go and they're going to shed the atmosphere of heaven wherever they enter. That is my kid. That is your kids. Let it stop with you. All of these negativity, all these thoughts, all this fear, all this anxiety. You might deal with it, but don't give up fighting against it. That is not your identity. God does not call you fearful. He does not call you a masterpiece for a reason. He calls you a masterpiece because he doesn't want a do-over. You are perfectly made the way you are. You are perfectly beautiful. You are perfectly equipped to do and to be all that God has called you to be. It's time to get seated and planted in the garden that God has called you to be and to rise up and to grow into the person and the passion that he has called you to do and to be in your life. Let's not give up of doing good. For at the right time, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. It's time to believe again. It's time to take a grip with your tired hands and say, God, if you don't show up, I've got nothing left. It's time for us to start letting God be the God over our feelings instead of our feelings be the God over us. It's time to start stop chasing our feelings and start trading our God's best for what we feel. It's time to stop trading everything that God has positioned for us to have. It's time for us to take back what the enemy has stolen. It's time to take back our freedom, the very thing that Jesus died for. It's time to go back to the enemy's camp. It's time to take back what he stole from me because God of peace will surely crush Satan under my feet and he has no right in my home in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's stand to our feet in this moment. It's time to believe again. Let's sing about it. He's the God of miracles. Church, I you. you're the guy. 